How many times do I have to try to tell you that I'm sorry for the things I've done? Some things are better left unsaid, but they still turn me inside out. And this is how I feel. Do you know how I feel? Because I don't think you know how I feel. Relationships can, can give us such wonder and such an amazing view of life. And relationships can, can totally throw us off track and, and get us fractured and fragmented. And in the middle of that, you've got to know where power lives. You've got to understand that side of your relational lives. I was in Saks Fifth Avenue a couple of weeks ago. I always like to go to Saks. I like to go to the sixth floor, which is uh, the, the menswear floor, and, and, and look and see if there's anything on sale. But there's something that I really like about being on the sixth floor. I like the men's room there. They're a fabulous men's room. Lots of wood, sort of old school. Almost feels like you're at a country club, uh, a men's locker room at a golf club or something. And, and as you go into the men's room area, there's this, there's this station where you can put your phone and get it charged. And that's what I love. I take my phone out. I put it in the charging station. It's so easy. You have to have a, you have to have a code. And they give you a choice of pictures so that you will be able to retrieve your phone. Your, your picture is your code. I always pick the bicycle because it's easy for me to remember. So I, I punch in my number. I punch in the bicycle. And then I leave it there for a while. And I just think this is just great. This is a, a complimentary phone charging station that's there for you while you shop. Wouldn't it be great if there was a complimentary charging station for your life where you could just leave your heart for a little bit and get it charged up or put your soul in there for a little bit. You know, push the bicycle so you remember where to pick up your soul later on. But you need a, you need a recharge. You need energy. You need power. And yet where do you get that? Where does power really live? So this morning, I'd like to talk to you about the four corners of a relationship. I'd like to tell you a story which is going to show you how easily relationships can be draining, how easily relationships are fractured and, and broken. Uh, this, this story you're familiar with, it's from Genesis chapter 37, but I'd like you to have an ear to listen to every place where you, where you see that there's something broken there, there's something that's not right there, and kind of write that down on the scorecard of your mind. Genesis chapter 37. Starts out kind of simple. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. You keep in score, bad report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. This is that, that coat of many colors that you hear about. Uh, and he's the only one that gets the coat of many colors. What does that sound like? Put a little check mark on your scorecard. Uh, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they 
hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Check, check. Things are broken. Things are fractured. They're, they're in these relational corners of their lives. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. He doesn't have a clue. You know, he's like clueless in Seattle here about what he's trying to say to his brothers. His, his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Check. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And they're like, oh, we're ready for another dream. Come on. I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. Check. But his father kept the matter in his mind. His father was wise enough to know that maybe there's something that, that I should pay attention to here. Maybe God is trying to, to say something. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. So father sends son out to see his brothers. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. So when he saw them, when, when they saw him coming, they're like, let's get this kid once and for all. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him. Check and throw him into one of these cisterns. Check and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Did you ever see a cistern? I had never seen one until I was in West Africa. They're just huge and they're deep. I actually saw a man digging one out by hand and it was you know, slick walls and he was way down at the bottom and it looked almost impossible for him to, to get out as he dug this thing out of the, the mud and the, and the muck, but they, they hold thousands of gallons of water and if you get in there, there's no way you're getting out, especially if it's, if it's empty and this one was empty. Here comes that dreamer. Let's see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So Reuben's trying to kind of work himself into this craziness. 
So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. You know, they were so jealous of his position with his father. And that was sort of this symbolic, like, we'll show you, rip the robe off of him. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now, if it was a, a deep cistern, he was, he was hurt by the time he hit the bottom. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. There's no cushioning of the fall. It's just, boom, you're on the bottom. You're in the dirt. And they sat down to eat their meal. They sat down to have lunch. They looked up and saw a caravan. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, "Ah, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, so they have a little bit of a, of a conscience. He is our brother, our own flesh and blood. So his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. A lot of, a lot of brokenness, a lot of you know, stuff going on, a lot of anger, a lot of hurt, a lot of confusion. And yet, it's all about these relational corners of life that we all end up in sooner or later. So let's get started by asking the first and most important question. Where are you? Where are you? The reality is that all of us, me and you, we're always in one of four places of connection. Figuring out where you are is one of the most important things you can do for yourself. Let's find out where you are. Um, you know, I should have brought my phone out here, but when you have a, a smartphone, it's always doing something. When you turn it on, it's searching for connection. If you've ever been somewhere where there isn't good service, uh, you don't have connection. But the phone keeps searching, keeps searching, searching, searching. In that way, the phone is a lot like us. We, God made us to search for connection. We search for him, the most vital connection of all. We search and we search and we hope and we hope to have this connection with the God of the universe. And we have that through Jesus Christ. And it's what, it's what brings an anchor in the middle of some of the most difficult times of our lives. We know that he loves us and we know that we can talk to him and that that relationship can sustain us. But that search for connection is also always going out horizontally. We're looking for relationship with each other. We're looking for something that will sustain us, something that will, will kind of ameliorate all the struggles of our lives because we are, we are connected to each other. But there's only one place where you can get the connection that you really need. There are four corners of relationship. Let's look at them. And I want to thank Henry Cloud for helping me to understand this and for being uh, such a good mentor in my life over so many years. Uh, the first corner that he talks about is the corner of no connection. Uh, there's nothing really going on. The second corner is the corner of bad connection where it's kind of like this, this passage of scripture in Genesis. A lot of bad connection stuff going on there. Okay? And then 
real, then you got to go drop down to pseudo or good connection. Uh, this is where uh, it seems like it's good. It seems like something is happening that's going to benefit your life, but it's very, it's very thin. It's very superficial. It, it doesn't really last because it's not built on the stuff that lasts. And then you can get into real connection. I'm going to talk to you about how you do that this morning. So let's look at corner one, disconnected. In corner one, disconnected, you can be a people person. You can be helping a lot of people. You, you give and give and give. You have a lot of people around you. But you're not really connecting. The relational clues of corner one, disconnected, are this feeling of isolation. You have a lot of conflicts. Some of those are, are, are smaller ones. Some of those are, are bigger ones. There's anger, and there's also passive aggression. Uh, passive aggressive stuff is going on. You see, you see anger in this story from Genesis. There's a general disappointment. You know, like, I thought life was meant to be more than this. I thought life was going to be something I, I enjoyed, but there's, there's this sense of, I just, I don't connect anywhere. I feel alone. You feel cut off, and there's no, nobody's giving you any feedback. Nobody's telling you anything about who you really are or what life is really all about. So you're surrounded with people, and you're giving the people, and there's people everywhere, but you are lonely and isolated. The performance clues are you procrastinate a lot because, like, why get anything done? You're disorganized. There's discombobulation. All these things are floating around. you got all these balls in the air, and you're dropping them. Feeling it all depends upon you. You feel like everything depends upon me, and, and, and if I don't do it, then nobody else does it, and I'm, I'm, I'm just tired of that. You can't get it all done, and it wears you out, and you're tired, and you're worn out, and you're lonely, and you are angry. Corner two, bad connection. The experience of being in corner two, Cloud says, is a universal human experience. We're all going to be there at some point, and maybe that's coming out of a family situation like we read here in, in Genesis 37. Maybe that's coming out of a, a team that you're on at work, uh, maybe it's coming out of a, an experience with a, a sports team. Uh, maybe it's in, in, your, um, in your recreational life where you think you thought you had friends, but it, it turns out that they sort of drag you down. The experience of being in corner two is a universal human experience. I have been amazed by the number of extremely high performers who have confided to me that someone has the power to make them feel not good enough. And these are people that have big positions. These are people that have lots of responsibilities, people in some cases who are very well known. And, and there's somebody in their life that makes them feel just not good enough. Uh, Henry used to gather leaders together. And in one situation where he was gathering leaders together, he asked them a few questions. And this is, this is very, very telling. Question one, do you have some place where you can be 100% honest and vulnerable as to what you're going through in your leadership role where you can totally be honest about struggles, conflicts, needs, and weaknesses? 
80% said, no, I have no place like that. Question two, do you have anyone or any group of people who is totally committed to your growth and well-being as a leader? The very role of that relationship is just to develop and help you. 80% said, no, I have no place like that. He said, have you experienced anything in the last year that you would say has gotten you to burnout, loss of energy, difficulty getting motivated, concentrated or focused problems, sleep problems? 80% said yes. Um, when you are in these, these corners, one or two, it's just not a good place to be. It's just not... It's just not good. It's not, it's not fueling your soul. It's not giving you the life that God wanted you to have. And you're going to have to get that relationally somehow. Here are the relational clues of corner two. A not being good enough feeling. Lots of anxiety. Lots of fear. But it's it's, it's that kind of fear that you've often heard said, false expectations appearing real kind of fear. Uh, false guilt. It's not real guilt. You just kind of, somebody's making you feel guilty, you know, because they're trying to control you. Uh, there's, there's a critical tone coming at you. There's, there's feedback without caring or accuracy. Feedback without caring or accuracy. You want to know what I think of you? Well, I'm going to tell you what I think of you. And then it's, it's just you know, full bore, and there's really no accuracy to it, no reality to it. Let me tell you about the performance clues. Self-doubt, you start to, to doubt your abilities. Uh, there are unreasonable demands to perform at, at increasingly higher levels, which uh, rolls into these overly high expectations that, that you just can't get your hands on. Uh, you, you then start to have a, a diminished focus um, corner two, bad connection. You don't, you don't last there very long. You've got to get out of that place. And if you don't get out of that place, isn't there a song? You gotta get out of that place. If it's the last thing you'll ever do, think so. Uh, maybe, maybe it's not. I don't know. Sometimes things just boop, pop up. Um, so, you, you can't stay there. If you stay there, you, you live a very empty life. You live a frustrated life. You live so much less of a life than the life that God wanted to give you. And so what can happen is you want to, you know, you, you got to get out of the, the isolation, the corner one. And so you, you, you end up in a bad relationship. It's a connection, but it's not good. And so you go, I'm, I'm going to reach out for corner three. And corner three is a pseudo-good connection. It's not real. It, it's You want to feel good for the purposes of feeling good. You want to make make all this bad stuff go away. And so you, you, uh, you have an affair. You get an addiction. Uh, you pump yourself up without any basis for having that kind of pride. Uh, you, you just want, you go for the promotion, you go for the big win, uh, you know, but when you get there, you just need another one. It's all an attempt to smooth an empty soul. And you can't pour nothing into an empty soul and get something. 
share the relational clues. The good times are rolling. Kind of feels good. Let's just go. It all seems fun. We're having, are we having fun now? This is good. Lots of high fives. High fives rule the day. This is good. We're going somewhere. Only feel good feedback is allowed. Accuracy optional. So it's this, this sense of just kind of making yourself feel better, uh, anesthetizing the pain. It's not real, but that's the way you're going now. Performance clues, you shop to feel better. Inappropriate use of the internet, pushing away reality to find immediate gratification, something that'll be a quick hit, feel a little bit better, get through to the next thing that makes you feel bad, get a quick hit, feel a little bit better. The issue is, is this, what you are engaging with for connection can't really pay off with connection. And so you go around and around and around and around. And sometimes it's, it's a pattern of, of corners one, two, and three just in a cycle. Feel disconnected. Now I'm in a bad relationship. Got to get out of a bad relationship. Get into an addictive, crazy relationship just to feel better. And then that's not good. Go back to being disconnected. And you go around and around and around. And, and your soul is never satisfied. Your soul is always really empty and crying out because your soul cries out for real connection. It's time for corner four. Corner four is where, is where you get that real connection. Cloud writes, in the more than 25 years I've been working with high-powered CEOs and other top performers, one characteristic stands out. This is huge. The leaders who accomplish the most, or just put people in there, people who accomplish the most, thrive the most, overcome the most, are not afraid to say they need help. It's the beginning of real connection. I need help. It's the beginning of real connection. It was the beginning of my real connection with God. God, I can't do this. I need help. It's the beginning of real connection with each other. It's the thing that, that it's counterintuitive. You know, how's that going to get me help? It invites people to be in your life with you at a level of reality. It's not playing games. It's not superficial. It's not bad connection. It's not make-believe. It's not isolation. It's this is who I really am, and, and maybe you can help me right here, right now. Let me give you an example of what that of what that looks like. This is a, an interesting example that is uh, in the book, The Power of the Other. A woman told me, I have an issue with my boyfriend. What is it, I asked. I want him to connect with me more, she said. I don't feel that connected to him. That's not good, I said. What have you done about it? I told him. Told him what? I told him I wanted him to connect with me more. You did what? You actually said that to a guy? that you wanted him to connect more? Yes, what's wrong with that, she asked, taken off guard. Well, how did it work, I asked. It didn't. He didn't do anything different. Well, what was he supposed to do different, I asked her. Connect, she said. Well, how? How is he supposed to do that, I asked. Connection is a result of doing some specific things. How is he supposed to act on that connect with me more request? He probably has no clue how to do that. I bet his eyes glazed 
over. And this is that moment of the clue phone's ringing and it's for you. So what should I have done? I thought I was trying to express my needs to him in a vulnerable and good way. I get that. It sounds like you did. The problem is that when someone is not doing something, it's probably because they don't know how. So to just tell them about the result you want doesn't help them. What if you said, I'd like it if after work we could get together a few evenings a week and take a walk, undistracted, and just catch up and share what happened during the day or how each other is doing. I bet if he cares, he'd say, sure, I'd love to. The difference, I explain, is that this suggestion is something actionable, a specific something that you'd like him to do or stop doing. This is something he can do something about. He can control making time to go for a walk, but he can't control whether you are feeling connected. She nodded. In this interaction, I had also done the same thing with her. I hadn't just told her, I hadn't told her to just be different somehow or not to talk to him that way. I gave her some specific feedback. You see, in that moment, Henry became the power of the other to this person. She, she opened up, and he was able to take that picture and say, well, let's look at it this way, because she couldn't see it that way. The relational clues of real connection, corner four. Others are in your life with you for growth purposes. You have more real connections that are are grabbing things in your life and looking at them with wisdom and with understanding because other people have more experience than you have. There's real actionable feedback delivered with care and accuracy. You get feedback with care. You get feedback that is accurate. The performance clues. Your life is getting healthier in all areas, spiritually, emotionally, your work life, your family life, less free-floating stress. You don't just feel like this stress is, is throwing you this way and pushing you that way. Less performance-driven behavior. If I just can make this happen, I'll feel better. I'll take the quick shot, the quick hit right now. You don't have to do that anymore. More servant-hearted behavior. You can give your life away to others knowing that this is part of the kingdom of God. This is part of what God's called you to do and to be in the world, within the church and within the community and within your family and at work or at school. It's the power of the other that makes the difference in every area of life, every area. That's why Jesus said in John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can't do, you can do nothing. That's the power of the other. We need him, and we can't really do something without him. It's the power of connection, the power of what, the power that makes everything work. And what Jesus is, 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 is trying to, to teach us is you also are going to need that for each other. You know, if I have loved you in this way, then you have to love each other. He says this to his disciples says that this is the way everybody's going to know. The whole world's going to know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's this real connection thing that just has to happen. Corner four. Corner four is where someone is with you and for you. It's where humility and vulnerability collide with grace and wisdom. It's where you are the person God created you to be with problems and messiness. And you are the person God is creating you to be by letting someone help you get there with truth and love. 
It's why scripture says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. When you first read this, it kind of doesn't make any sense. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Why would a friend wound me? Why would a friend try to hurt me? Because it's caring, accurate feedback that's going to change you. Your friend is saying, stop doing this. It's hurting yourself and it's hurting everybody. I need you to stop. And you feel wounded at first until you realize that this is truth, that this is grace that's coming into your life. Corner four summary. Connection that fuels your life. You can, you can almost feel it. It's like, it's like power coming into your life. Connection that makes learning and failure safe. Failure can be safe because you have a real connection to someone who loves you. Connection that builds ownership of corner four. You really own what it means to, to live in right relationship and deep relationship and meaningful, God-given relationship with people. Connection that stretches to big visions and goals. There's something that God wants to use you for in the expanse of your life to change the world, and you want to attach yourself to that connection that names get better steps. You have specific, actionable things that are going to make these changes happen in your life. The other day I was talking to my son, and Travis said, you know, we were having this meeting, and everybody was having all these different ideas about things that should change and and things that we may need to to do differently, and everything was already kind of like set, and then I'm getting all this this feedback, and he said, I said this, and he had never really thought about it before. He said to his staff, I'm pro better. And that, that word stuck, and I'd like it to stick with you and with me today. I'd like it to be a part of your life and my life. I'd like it to be part of your family and my family. I'd like it to be part of your ministry and my ministry. I'm pro better. Because pro better means no matter what we have, no matter what we're doing, there might just be something that comes in sideways that we weren't expecting that can make us better. And why would we want to be against that? Or somebody might say something, and the hearing of that may be difficult to embrace and engage, but if it, if it makes things better or it makes us better, why wouldn't we want that? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Connection that fuels your life is going to always lead us into pro-better moments. Here are my prepositions that I gave you last week. Because we can, we can end up, if we're not careful, in corner three Christianity where it's all about feeling good, it's all about kind of Christian make-believe stuff, and you don't want to end up there. There's lots of scripture that says you, you don't want to end up there. So you have to have an understanding of what God is doing as he develops you within the body of Christ. God loves you too much to let you get stuck in mediocre relationships. All relationships are works in progress. You and me, we are a work in progress. All relationships face internal and external challenges to their integrity. Read the New Testament. Paul's always saying, stop doing that. 
don't do that. There were internal issues. There were external issues. Uh, and, and, and relationships are always facing, facing those kinds of challenges. The best relationships are works of art. All of a sudden you see the brilliant color of humility just jumping off the canvas. All of a sudden you see a picture of servant-hearted love. All of a sudden you see the color of God's grace just softly and gently rising out of that picture to, to sort of draw you in to a larger, larger masterpiece of what God is doing. The best relationships are works of art. If you're not changing and growing, you're not living. There has to be change. There has to be growth. You can never be at one place in life. You're either sliding back or you're moving forward. And so you have to decide, I want corner four. I got to get out of corner two. I'm not going to allow myself to be corner one, isolated and lonely. I'm not going to live in a phony world of corner three. You're not changing or growing. You're not living. Okay, so here's the question. So where are you? So where are you? Because you can only be in one of four corners. Maybe here's a better question for your heart and your soul. So where do you want to be? Your heart, mind, and soul are being formed each day. Make sure you have a say in what they are becoming. And last night, a letter showed up. I was sitting there and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then this, it just, it just came. just came right out here on the page. And it was to you. Dear friends, right now you're in one of four places. I know where you are, but do you? To realize where you are is part of your responsibility to me. To help you realize where you are is my responsibility. I've been doing that since Eden, which is where disconnection, bad connection, and false connection came from. If you feel disconnected from me today, you are probably feeling at the low end of the lonely scale. That vacuum in the place where your heart should be is the clue. That numbness when you got up this morning was the real wake-up call. Yes, to find the connection of hope is a challenge, and you've been disappointed before. I know. The alternative is a long string of empty days to slog through with minimal joy and waning strength. Look good to you? I didn't think so. I can send someone to help. I just need you to be open to that option. If you're stuck in a bad relationship, I can help you move on from it. Your cost will be speaking the truth to yourself and someone else. Your investment is truth. My investment will be grace. Truth and hope will open a doorway to get you away from what is painful, what is a painful and inaccurate way of living. Freedom arises from truth. The future emerges through hope. The alternative is ugly manipulation and a grinding halt to any real potential for what I built into your soul. Freedom and hope sound good? Living in a sea of fleeting emotional highs and moments of self-created elation will end in an epic crash. 
Let's get beyond superficiality starting today. A prayer of humility is all it takes. Being vulnerable and weak is the transportation system of my will for you. If you're ready to give real power a try, I'm ready to provide that power. Real power lives in relationships that build into you, relationships that fuel and stretch you to be the something more you so desperately want to be. Remember, the wounds of your friends will bring you to places of rich integrity, and the love of your friends will carry you through the toughest times. My love will orchestrate your valleys and summits. My love will answer the unanswerable. My love will carry you through everything. My love will mend your tattered hearts. Real power lives in my love for you. Do you believe in more? God. Dear Heavenly Father, we all live somewhere in our relational lives. And I pray that you'll help us to get to that place of, of real relationship where real power lives. My prayer is that we will be men and women who fuel each other's lives, men and women who fill each other's souls, men and women who, who get beyond self-interest, men and women who, who walk away from stuff that is, is bad and that doesn't take us anywhere, men and women who don't stay lonely. Heavenly Father, my prayer is that as we understand how your love is the greatest love of all, that we would drink deeply of that love and then be able in that fulfillment to give your love away to others. Father, in this way, may everyone know that we follow you. Father, let us do this with integrity and hope. Let us do this with a prayer of humility that lights the way. We give you our lives again now. In Jesus' name, amen.